Hi, this is Keith Grossman, president of Time. For the past year, I've been leading Time's Web3 expansion, and I'm here on the edge of NFT, the podcast delivering you the timeless moments in NFT every episode. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how today's guest shifted Time's timeline in the most Web3 way imaginable. And why an island dedicated only to sleeping may be the vacation destination of the future discovered on today's episode. And how Z Hovac's art is bringing hope and inspiration to animals and humans alike. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to 2023.nftla.live to get on the whitelist for tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Keith Grossman, president of Time and creator of the media brand's NFT business, Time Pieces. Keith is a global leader in the rapidly evolving world of Web3 and leads Time's growth within the Web3 ecosystem. Under Keith's leadership, Time's NFT and Web3 community, Time Pieces, has grown to include well over 50,000 artists, collectors, and enthusiasts. In 2021, Time's Web3 strategy produced eight figures of revenue as the brand expanded from NFTs to community building to partnering with several NFT creators to develop their unique IP into animated series for TV with Time Studios. Time Pieces has released four collections to date, Genesis, Inspiration, Long Necky Women of the Year, Slices of Time, and most recently, the Beat Club Collection. Keith, great to have you here on Edge of NFT. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, real pleasure, man. And wow, time, just the history here is amazing. There are not a lot of brands that have such a rich history and still relevant as time is today. And I'm curious, as you think about like such a robust community, a deep following, and something as groundbreaking and forward-thinking as Web3, how did you balance these different elements when you were laying out your game plan for timepieces? And also... What was the sell like internally? Like, was this an easy sell or, or did it take a bit? So to answer that question, you kind of have to step a little back, right? And so I joined Time three years ago, a little over three years ago. And, you know, it's just under new ownership. Mark and Lynn Benioff, private asset. Mark is the CEO of Salesforce. Lynn is his wife. And the remit was, how do we take this 100-year-old brand and ensure that its objectivity, you know, that red border sort of lasts the next hundred years. And, you know, the one thing that we knew was that the way that it sort of evolved for the first hundred years would not be the way that it evolved for the second hundred years. But I would be lying if I said that as we thought this through, like we ever thought we would be in the, you know, web three crypto business, right? Like I think you've, you've heard there's this great philosopher, Mike Tyson, who came out with the quote once that said, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And 2020 was really sort of the punching in the mouth. Right. And what we realized was quite a lot. Right. Like the way that we were evolving would take us on one trajectory. But then, you know, I personally feel that and I don't know if you all agree. I assume I'm talking to a fairly biased group of individuals where like I think that, you know, Web3's adoption accelerated probably by like 10 years because of 2020, right? And yeah. I don't know if you all remember where you were at the time. Like I was upstate New York, you know, I'm walking around, I'm lonely. And I realized for the first time ever, like, hey, you know what? My social media, my digital identity really is just as valuable as my physical identity, right? Because like I had this incredible reach. You guys have this incredible reach with this podcast, right? And I'm like, and then like I have three friends in real life, 
right? And I'm like, it doesn't make sense, right? And by the way, I can't even talk to them, you know, because of 2020. And then I came across NFTs and it just sort of blew my mind that, you know, you had something that if your digital identity was just as valuable as your physical identity, that like, wow, like you could now validate digital ownership, right? And that ruminated in my head for a while. Like it didn't really like connect with me that like there was anything there. And then, you know, I've been into crypto for, I don't know, since like 2013, 2014. You know, I, I started my career at Wired and Ars Technica. You know, like what you'll see over the course of this, this conversation is I'm just a dorky guy who likes technology and art and, and crypto and, and, you know, new business models and evolution. And, and like in September of, of 2020, I started to really, you know, look into crypto and maybe a little earlier, really looking into it because I didn't believe the news and everyone saying that there'd be no inflation, right? And so like, I sort of went down this rabbit hole and, you know, I I was on Anthony Pompliano's podcast in September of that year. And, and at the last two minutes, I asked him, I'm like, if you were me, you were my position and you could uh, implement sort of crypto strategies for time, what would you do? And he started to like give all this really good advice. And you could see at that point, it was ruminating in my head. And in February of 2021, our owner, Mark Benioff, sent me an email that said, did you see this? And it was the Nyan Cat sale. You remember that? Like when Nyan Cat like, like sells, for, I think it was like 500K. And, and all of a sudden, like if there was like ever like that lightning moment, right? Like it went off and I'm like, we could do this. And everyone was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, do you all understand why a cat with the body of a Pop-Tart farting a rainbow just went for $500,000. Everyone's like looking at me like I'm crazy. And, you know, what I realized at that moment was for a hundred years, right? Like, so you asked this question, Jeff, like about like, like you have all this history. And I was like, for a hundred years, what has time really been doing with that cover? The time cover has been a meme for a hundred years, right? Just an analog meme. And so it just hit me. And I did an announcement in early Mar- in mid March, and I said, "This week, time is going to enter into Web three." And I said, "Within thirty days, we will also accept digital currencies for subscriptions, which we did within twenty eight days. We took thirty two different cryptocurrencies. We settled on Bitcoin. Today, we take thirty three because we accept ApeCoin, which we announced two days after I think ApeCoin came out." And I said, within six, seven months, we would figure out how to use the token and the community to, and a blockchain to change the relationship we have with the community. And I had no clue how that was going to happen, right? Like, I just knew it was possible. And like, that was then like a six month masterclass of sitting in Clubhouse, listening to the likes of JN Silva and Thank UX and Dave Krugman and others, right? And learning, right? But you ask, like, how did we sell this through? So, it's fascinating if you step back and it's like February and I'm like, we can do this. And, you know, all of a sudden I got Mark introduced me to Guy Ossieri and Guy said to me, I'm going to tell you what, like, I'm going to introduce you to a bunch of people. And so that way you could understand all the players in the space. Right. And he could not have been nicer, amazing person. And so like, I went on what I would count, what I would say is the closest thing to like a technological speed dating evening, right? Where I met like a bunch of players. And at the end of it, the only two people who really took us seriously because everyone else wouldn't take take my call or anything else, nobody would really, were two people in the entire ecosystem took me very seriously. Jimmy McNeilis, who I love, and I think you all know, and John Crane, it's super rare, right? So John Crane actually taught me how to mint my first NFT. And, you know, John, he, what an awesome individual, right? Like, so he teaches me how to mint my first NFT. I ran out of ETH. He replenished it for me, right? But what he didn't tell me was when I minted the NFT, it was visible on the blockchain, right? So like, I didn't know that, that just to give you an idea of like how sort of like ignorant I was like at that time. And so I minted them all on a Saturday, the is God dead, is fiat dead, is truth dead. I minted them all on a Saturday. And then I went into the kitchen in my apartment and I went to go get a seltzer. Actually, I went to go get literally a coconut LaCroix, right? And I opened it up and my phone rings and somebody offered me $15,000 for is fiat debt. 
So I called John Crane up and I said, you MFR, you didn't tell me this was public. You MFR, like blah, 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 blah. What do I effing do? Like, I literally, you could ask him. Like, I think I dropped the F word more than anything else because I want it to be a big surprise. And he's like, what? Of course it's uh, supposed to be public. Like, what are you kidding? And so then he said to me, I said, what do I do? He said, reject the deal and start your auction and have it end around Wednesday evening. And so I did that and uh, nobody bid on any of the timepieces Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> I was so angry at John. I was so angry at John. It was so funny. He got texts from me every five minutes, right? And on Wednesday evening, we did a, a clubhouse room. And by the end of the night, right, like it exceeded all of our expectations. We did, I think, like $440,000. What people don't know and so you ask this question, this is my long-winded answer, and I very rarely have told this story, but what people don't know is, is the funding of timepieces was actually quite easy to get done because when we were doing the one-of-one one NFTs, I really just needed assistance from our legal department and from our creative director to provide me with those assets. There was nothing there, right? Right after we did those first few drops, then like we continued to sell numerous drops. Like if you look, like we sold about 11 drops on Super Rare during that time. One day I woke up and I got this text message from John Knopf. And, you know, if you've ever been in a spaces with John Knopf or I, like he's like, a, he's like a brother to me, right? And the text message said, did you see that you can convert rare token to Ethereum on Uniswap. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, are you paying attention to your email? And I, I just was like so busy, I'd missed an email. And he's like, check your email, super rare, converted to a DAO, and they issued rare tokens. And I said, okay. And I looked and I like missed it. I filed it away. And so I went in and I reclaimed the tokens and our finance team said at the time, like they felt comfortable taking Bitcoin, they felt comfortable taking Ethereum on our books. Altcoins were not like in the, were not okay to stay, keep on the books. But they said, they said, you have to convert to Ethereum. And I looked and we had so many rare tokens from all of the drops that we had done that the rare tokens actually paid for the launch of timepieces. And we never had to actually ask for funding. Wow. And if you want, like the, most web three story or birth of a brand's evolution into the space. Like, I don't know how you could top that, right? Like John Crane took a shot on me. He taught me how to mint. I found success on his platform. I used his platform. His platform became a DAO and issued tokens. I converted the tokens into Ethereum because I had to and ultimately paid for the launch of our future brand's evolution into web three. That is the Web3 story. That's amazing. I realized the other day I had not told that story publicly that often. Wow. Ever. Well, what an honor. And you don't have a shortage of believers now in the space, but but it's really nice to understand how these things start. And it gives so much perspective on what's happened in the industry. We started March 2021. You know, Jeff got a very rare NBA top shots that was like a pivotal moment for us. But prior to that, I'm just going to share two anecdotes, guys. Don't kill me for this. But I just found out yesterday that Stanley Bishop, who was a dear friend of ours, who I met at Bright Moments when we were starting the podcast, was actually at the meetup with the founder of CryptoKitties, Zach Sekar, who runs our head, is now our head of NFTLA, organized back like in 2017 or 18. And that was the same day, you know, Jeff met Zach, Jeff met Stanley, and now we're all deep in Web3. So there's like this really interesting flow to this industry. And I'll just add one more detail here. So our dear friend, Nicole Buffett, introduced us. I was at her house yesterday, and she has these amazing wild horses. So... We met her at a party another friend of ours introduced us to, and we so connected that we did a collaboration together. And it was the collaboration that was our first NFT drop that were the were the first 100 sort of NFT tickets to NFTLA. 
So it all. Wait, wait, you ready for this? Now, can I take it one step further? And I know this wasn't in our discussion points, but it's amazing on a topic of Nicole Buffett. Yeah. So, you know, Nicole Buffett's a timepieces artist, right? Yes, of course. Of course. Do you know the story of her timepiece? I don't know all the deeds. Okay. A little bit of it. There's like a a woman involved that. Yeah. This mother tree thing, right? Yes. Okay. So called the mother tree. Mm -hmm. There's this tree at Nicole's. I think it's her mother's house. I don't recall exactly the house. And Justin Aversano can tell the story better. And so can Nicole. So I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but you'll get the point of it. It's called the NFT is called the mother tree. And it's this beautiful tree that's on one of Nicole, either her house or her mother's house. And they left the camera open with the open exposure for like the evening to capture the tree for how they wanted to then depicted. And then they left and they forgot the camera at the home and they started driving away and they got like, I don't know, like a a few miles away and they realized that they forgot the camera at home and they went back to pick it up. And Nicole's mom was choking and couldn't breathe and was like almost unconscious or something really bad. And they saved her life. Right. And like the, if they had not forgotten the camera or left the camera at the house after taking the picture for the production of that NFT, right? Like they don't know what could have happened. And so, you know, they look at that that NFT and it's like a very special, meaningful NFT and why it's called the mother tree. Wow. That's amazing. Well, she hasn't announced it yet, but she's got quite a special drop in the coming months that I'm sure we'll both be supporting fully. So shout out to Nicole. Would love to sort of elaborate on the discussion around sort of where this is all going. It started rather with a high level vision and and things fell into play in a very special way. Is that the same approach you're taking to the near and long term vision or are things a little bit more framed out? from here on with now, time pieces. Well, you guys, you study this space every day, right? Like I study this space every day. If somebody could tell you where this space is going to be in six months from today, I could tell you that I don't want to be anywhere near that person, right? <laughs> like the space, in my opinion, is the most exciting moment, right? At the top, there's too much friction for mass adoption, right? Like we're still seeing that the technology dominates, that the experience is not taking the lead. You know, there's not enough regulation and clarity for major companies to enter in. Like there's not enough education in the marketplace. But at the bottom, there's enough of a foundation for like real innovation to be built and real change to take place. Right. So like at, like right now. And I would say probably for the next 24 to 36 months before the top collapses on itself and and the mass sort of entry enters into the ecosystem, like I think this is probably the most exciting time, but like this is a space that's designed for insomniac workaholics, right? Like I'm going 24 hours a day, as I'm sure all of you are, as are sort of my team, just thinking about how is this place evolving? And I can tell you that like, if you look at our first few drops versus our last, right? Like I would have never thought that like we would have had a burn mechanism, you know, like with an instant reveal. I wouldn't have thought of how like, like that we would have done music NFTs with Timberland. I wouldn't have thought about like half of the stuff that I'm thinking about today. But I think that that's what makes it so exciting and so much fun, right? Like, I mean, you all have to be having so much fun when you have all these conversations because you see you know, insights from every different sort of thought leader in the space. Like I have so much fun watching what other people are doing at every time and thinking to myself, like, man, how can I do something like that? Like when Dave Krutman did the shatter contract with Transient Labs, weren't you all like, that's pretty cool. Like I want, I don't know if you knew this, I was the top bidder on that for a very, and I lost because I went to go for a walk and I don't have, you know, MetaMask on my mobile phone. Right. But like, I was pissed that I lost that. But like, that's an amazing contract when you think about that. And that's not possible, you know, three, six months ago. And so, you know, my thought process is, is like, and, and I share this with Maya Drazen and Will Bond and Lane Lytle and, and the team at time is we have to have enough structure that like, we know where we're going, but like, we have to be fluid enough that we feel really comfortable with it. Right. And you take the Micah Johnson drop, like, we didn't know that that was going to be the drop until 
you know, a few weeks before. And then the Matt Ball article got moved up. And like, I didn't find out that it got moved up to a drop on a Monday until the Thursday before. So like we, we had to like, be like, okay, well, if we need to get this in market fast, the only way we could get it in market fast is, is, you know, not mint from our site, but sort of do open edition on OpenSea, right? And like that fluidity and flexibility, I think is something that's new and natural to larger organizations. But like, we, we have to always remind ourselves that that's what's required in the space. That's, yeah, that's really impressive. And yeah, I think that's also what we all love about the space. When you enjoy, you know, being creative and being extemporaneous and you get bored easily, probably, right? It's, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of have to readjust, right? To whatever's next and come up with something new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the next NFTLA is going to look so different than the first. And, you know, I just tallied up, Keith, we had over 300 requests to be on the show the last two months. And if you merged all the innovation together that all these amazing people are doing, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's from everywhere, right? That's what's so cool, right? And that's what I like about the space is like you could have someone like a Richard or Eric and Manifold doing amazing sort of innovation out of Vancouver, right? Like it's not coming just out of New York or Miami, which, you know, I have a lot of respect for, or, you know, LA or San Fran or the, or the traditional hubs, right? Like it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've got some fans. Uh, I met at NFTLA actually, um, a guy that bought one of our spirit seeds, which we mentioned earlier, coming out of Latin America and these two business partners. And the guy, the guy told me that his buddy literally wrote this little like Bible on NFTs and made him read it. Right. <laughs> but it's from everywhere, every angle and, and interesting places. We just found out one of our hugest demographics on YouTube is in the Philippines. And I mean, huge, like we knew people were listening to the podcast in the Philippines, but it's, it's, they're actually one of our, our major kind of stakeholders on the YouTube audience. It's fascinating. I love that. I mean, you know, I also, I find that the ability that the web three ecosystem does to provide sort of commerce with the long tail of the world, all of a sudden opens up sort of experiences that you just wouldn't ever think of and connections that you would have never sort of anticipated and actually sort of markets for artists and for collectors that like people never thought were possible. So when I uh, switch the direction here a little bit, I'm back to some of the projects that Time's doing here. We had the Micah Johnson time cover that came out here. It's received a lot of attention. Why do you think that's the case? And, you know, it's sort of metaverse focus. What does the metaverse represent to you and time pieces? Sure. So, you know, like, D.W. Pine, you know, and Edward Felsenthal, the editor-in-chief and the creative director, called me and said that they had an exclusive excerpt of, you know, Matt Ball's book. And, you know, given how it played towards, you know, the Web3 space so well, they said, do you have any ideas as to who could do a great cover? And, you know, you have to remember, if you step back and you think about time, like time's real superpower is the cover, right? And what that cover ultimately is, and that's no discounting of the editorial. The editorial is excellent, but the cover really is is its superpower, right? It's it's the the meme. And what that cover really is is it's sort of capturing living history. And the reason that I think that you know it hit everyone so hard and positively is numerous reasons. One is it was a recognition that you know we've been talking about things like metaverses for many, many years, but, you know, it never really hit the cover of time. And like, it's really beginning to get discussed, you know, in the general zeitgeist, right? And, and you can see that everywhere you go. The reason I think that the, that the AQ cover did really well is, you know, I think that what Micah Johnson and Summer and the team are building is, is something bigger than an NFT. Right. I think that if you've ever met Micah, he is one of the nicest, greatest guys. He's a timepiece artist. I consider him a friend. If you've ever met Summer, right, like, uh, you know, his president, like she's brilliant, all intents and purposes. Right. And when you think about just the story of Aku, right, 
And this was my rationale for when I called Mike up and I asked him, I was like, do you want to do this cover? I was like, I, I go to him, I have a question for you. He goes, sure, what's up? I go, you want to do the cover of Time for Metaverse issue? I have a really cool idea. And like, it was not even like a, a discussion or anything. It was just like, it was literally like, he was so into it and, and right from the get-go. And like, think about the origin of Aku, right? You have Micah on a couch, sort of depressed that his baseball season is, his baseball career is over. By the way, I'm going to make sure Micah listens to this podcast. And so I want to just throw in one side note, which is, you know, Micah actually holds a stat for like, I think it was the most stolen bases in one season in the MLB. Um, he's also, as a major league baseball player, never hit a home run as a professional. Okay. He did in the minors. He never did. You like how I worked that into this podcast? I just want to point this out at a later date when you listen to this and I know I'm going to get a text message on it. But anyway, <laughs> he's laying, going back to his, he's laying on the couch and he's going to kill me on that one. I know this, right? He's laying on the couch and, and his nephew comes up and he says, you know, can an astronaut be black? And like, the answer is yes, but like NASA can never sort of promote or market itself. And so it's a very natural question. You know, I have an eight-year-old daughter and my eight-year-old daughter once asked me, why can't women be president of the United States? And I had to say to her, well, women can be president of the United States. They just have not yet been president of the United States. And I had to sort of explain to her the difference. And, you know, Micah had this conversation with his nephew that led to ultimately creating a coup. And in my mind, I said to him, you know, the genesis of a coup was a kid who saw only life's limits. And, you know, the cover, in my opinion, that Micah produced was a kid who saw all of life's potential, right? And I think that people see that right? When they see the cover. And I think that people see that when they see a coup and what they've built over there. I think that the IP that they built over there is more important than just an NFT, is bigger than an NFT. And, you know, I know that that's something that's shared by my entire team who feels that way about Micah and his team, that like a coup is, is really something very, very special and important and is going to be bigger than, you know, just a community right? That's in the Web3 space. Like, I think that it will transcend. And so that was sort of in my mind why I think it has hit so hard. And I think what you're seeing is how powerful the Web3 ecosystem really is, because it is in 2022, the fifth most popular bought cover in the Time cover store as a physical, okay? Just the cover is a piece of art. Mm. And it is literally by the end of this week, our prediction is it will become number four, okay? And so of all covers in 2022 so far. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you think a little bit deeper about it on what the metaverse you know, means and how it's connected to all that, I mean, of course, you've got the sort of ready player one kind of movie, movification of that concept of kind of like, a playing field that's got a lot of potential, right? But we're seeing all these interesting ha things happen, as we mentioned, people coming from all over the globe. You know, we had uh, Josh brought on this kid from Egypt who was uh, making video game maps and his parents wouldn't give him a PayPal or, or account or, or a credit card, but he was making cryptocurrency, right? I mean, it is really making an interesting place where the limitations can can even further be opened. I mean, all of us here, of course, believe that there's way less limitations than we perceive in the in the sort of quote unquote real world, right? But I think the metaverse certainly and all this being created offers, you know, more pushes in that direction. Well, it sounds like there's a, a part two with Micah. Since he is listening, Micah, you're welcome to uh, join us on the show anytime. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and look, we, you know, we're talking like, in metaverse, what it means to time. And yeah, this really cool collaboration with Sandbox queued up, right? Where you're actually crafting like a virtual representation of Times Square out of New York in the metaverse. Like, what should we expect from this, man? And also, like, who's building this out? So I'll step back for one second, which is, you know, the natural inclination, I think, for a lot of big brands is to enter into Web3 through a metaverse first, Right. And I think that that makes sense because a lot of big brands will think of it through the lens of it's easier to appropriate marketing into a metaverse experience than it is to 
think about like, how do you build a true consumer, you know, engaged experience through NFTs and through, you know, community building efforts, first and foremost. When we got to the point where we felt that the timepiece community was strong enough and we had enough assets going and we had enough sort of connectivity into what our core brand is and what I'm calling sort of web 2.5, we realized that like it was the time that we could expand what our strategy was to start to incorporate metaverses, many of them, right? With the sandbox being the first one. I personally have tremendous respect for Arthur and for Seb over there and and the team. And, you know, like what we knew was we knew that we wanted a square and we knew that we were time and we knew that like everyone would remember it if we called it time square. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we were technically a square there. So like it wasn't like we did anything wrong or violated anything. Um, but, you know, like the in true Web3 fashion, what we did was we announced that we secured the lot. And, you know, the ultimate goal is, is to evolve the experience of our consumers. So that way, if you have an NFT, it can unlock different experiences and we could bring different things together. I mean, keep in mind that outside of the Web3 space, you know, we have Time Studios, which has done amazing things. You know, if you saw the Kanye West documentary on Netflix, we produced that and sold it to Netflix, right? If you saw Inspiration4, you know, that documentary, we produced that, right? Like we have a huge studios division. And so, you know, it's very easy for us to think about you know, well, if we wanted to do screenings, where would we want to do screenings? If we wanted to, you know, bring together sort of educational experiences, you know, the sandbox is not our first metaverse experience. The first metaverse experience ever, you'll laugh, is in Fortnite, where we rebuilt Martin Luther King's I Had a Dream speech from 1965, which was actually a virtual reality experience we had at the DuSable prior to COVID hitting. And we saw millions of people go through that experience and want like an incredible educational experience in the metaverse. And we saw engagement through the roof on that. And so we knew that like we could unlock many different assets that we have at time in a metaverse, but in a true web three fashion, if you look at my announcement and we're opening up entries for this in September, we're going to build what that experience looks like with the community. And so we're going to do an open call for an architect, open call for strategists, open call for community members to come forth with their suggestions. And what we're going to give is a canvas of what all of our experiences are and what our open goals are. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I think I think we'll be looking ahead to the development of that. I mean, it's, it sounds like an amazing project. For I, sure. I'm looking forward to it. So, so yeah. thank you. No, it's... it's it's exciting. No, I mean, and there's some projects I think that are just, they just have that it factor. And this uh, definitely feels like one of those. So we'll be keeping a close eye. Thank you. So um, when we think about building, we're talking about, you know, doing so here in the metaverse, but how do we bridge, you know, how do we bridge that gap into the cities, the municipalities that we know because we live in them, right? We interact with them every single day. And, and the metaverse idea is like this, this idea out there. And when you think about how to bridge that gap, I guess this feels like a big step people have to take, but we just haven't gotten there. What's your perspective on that? Well, so I have a biased perspective because, you know, about a week and a half ago, we announced that Time, MasterCard, and Salesforce were going to help bring the city of Miami into Web3 as the first municipality to ever enter in. And like what, a lot of people, I hope that that catches people off guard. We figured, I figured specifically, I was like, if we just were another brand that helped another brand enter into the space or another community enter into the space, nobody would have paid attention. So I was like, I had to think about a city, right? And and I wanted to go for Miami because I have just tremendous respect for Mayor Suarez, who I think is one of the most innovative mayors in the country and is someone who I have tremendous, you know, I, I just like him a lot. And I, you know, I called him one day and I said, I have a crazy idea. Will you just, I know like we don't really ever really talk business, but can I have just 30 minutes of your time with your team? And I went down with, with some members of my team 
and some members of the Salesforce team, right? And, you know, Raja and MasterCard couldn't unfortunately join that day. And I presented the idea that, you know, Salesforce has actually built out NFT cloud, which provides a scalable solution to onboard, you know, uh, tokens into the ecosystem and connect into the larger Salesforce sort of ecosystem. And, you know, the team over at Salesforce is amazing. And, you know, we share, you know, owner and we did everything you know, in alongside the compliance needs and, and whatnot necessary. But I said, time in partnership with Salesforce and MasterCard could onboard Miami into Web3. And this is how I think we can do it. I think Salesforce can do the underlying foundation. I think that time can do the front end developments because we've gotten very good at that. And, and we can do the strategy and the artist relationship. And I think that you know, this is not a community play, but rather looking at NFTs as a rewards card play, right? And MasterCard is willing to come to the table and they were amazing partners. And if you own one of these NFTs, when they go live and we're going to go live in, in December, if you own one of these NFTs, you'll be able to connect them to MasterCard's Priceless Miami program and gain access to all of those benefits, right? So all of a sudden, like, this isn't like, like your dinky benefits or rewards, like you're getting the best, most successful priceless cities program they ever executed as that. And I said to them, you know, not only that, but you can use the money raised to go towards the city treasury. You can take a percentage of it and you can put it towards, you know, nonprofits and they're going to be donating about 10% of the revenue secured from this and from secondary sales to Bakehouse, which is a local nonprofit for artists. And, you know, where time wins on this is, you know, we take a percentage of the sales as well, right? And so there was no upfront cost to taxpayers or to the local residents of Miami. We're going to use 56 artists to represent the 56 square miles of Miami. Miami has an unbelievably diverse population. So like the art is going to be representative of that entire population. And, you know, timepiece artists from the likes of Jay and Silva and Corey Van Lu are going to help with a lot of the artist selection along with others. Right. And we're just excited. Right. Like this is the first of many cities, in my opinion, that will will begin to enter into into Web3 and see it as a new way that they could potentially engage with their consumer. And I think today is a very rudimentary way of of doing it. And I think that we're going to consistently see more and more innovative ways in which this can happen. In terms of adoption, right? Like the, the easy button, the NBA top shot was for people where you put your credit card down, you, you buy the moment, now you're in the space. You don't even need to know that you own an NFT, right? You don't even need to know that you're participating in this broader Web3 ecosystem, but it's just an easy button. The same, I think what you're describing is, is necessary for municipalities to take that step to move in that direction. And then it starts to avalanche all these other things, the underpinnings of the entire you know, community from driver's licenses to voting to all these other cool things start to happen once they just realize, hey, this actually is accessible. So, so I think you hit on the biggest point about the NFT, which is I'm convinced that the next 100 million people to enter into this ecosystem are going to come very fast. Even with all the friction at the top, they're just not necessarily going to even know that they're interacting with NFTs, right? And, you know, like when we talk about NFTs today, a lot of times we talk about art and collectibles, right? But like the NFT as a token on a blockchain and the ability to verify ownership has tremendous impact in every industry that you can imagine. And I think that you're going to see that, you know, like the NFT is going to be underpinning of nearly everything in the probably coming 10 to 20 years. Keith, you're familiar with Sweet.io, I assume? I am not. What All is right. .io? Yeah, I mean, they, they're an Animoca brand's portfolio company. They're coming on the show in a month. What no one knows is they've done hundreds of big brand NFT projects that are are just happening exactly the way you're saying, and they've already been happening. So their first drop was with Burger King. Did you know Burger King did an NFT? I didn't until I talked to them. So they just did a contract with the NHL. So, so I look at them as a big leader in that space, and it's really exciting what they're doing. But going back to the previous topic, LA, let's go. Let's make it happen. Let's announce it. NFTLA. Well, if you know the mayor, put me in touch. I'm on it. I'm on it. 
So we don't know who the new mayor is going to be yet. When we figure that out, let's let's get that conversation started. But we can we can start to plant some seeds there for sure. Well, maybe um, you can. Maybe there's, if there is there competitiveness among mayors. I can tell you something <laughs> else is that Suarez is the president of the U.S. Mayor's Council. So there there's another reason why it was very important to me that Miami was the first city to enter in. I'm not hating on Miami. It's not I'm not hating on Miami. I'm talking about a city enters in and their mayor also happens to be the president of the U.S. Mayor's Council. Strategically, it makes sense. But on an emotional level, be so L.A. centric, I'm a New Yorker through and through. How do you think it makes me feel that New York wasn't the first well, one? I'm, you know, I'm a Boston guy, you know, R.I.P. Bill Russell. But I mean, L.A. has been my home for seven years and just from here. And and like, you know, we're just pumped about the creator economy here. That's seven, least, years. Uh, seven years is cute, right? Like I grew up my yeah. entire life in New York. Like I grew up on the Upper East Side. Oh, I now live on the Upper West Side. I grew up in apartment 9F in New York. I have coincidentally in a different building across town. I live in apartment 9F. Like literally yeah. my entire life is New York. And I helped nice. Miami enter. I'm on the board of New York Cares. Okay. Right. Like the largest volunteer network in New York City. And I helped Miami get on board first. Right. Like, and it breaks my heart. But, you know, I don't know if you know Jason Yanowitz. Do you know Jason? No. At Blockworks, yes. the founder. Of oh, Blockworks. yeah. 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 I know Jason. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I were at an event with Eric Adams and you could see it on my Instagram. And and we asked Mayor Adams if we could take a picture with him. And we said, before you take this picture, I just want you to know it's going to go through the entire crypto community like no other. And he goes, why is that? And I'm like, we're both very, very bullish on this. <laughs> and next thing you know, <laughs> it was everywhere. Nice, nice. But well, no, I will go uh, New York before L.A. You're seven years. Where were you before? Well, before L.A.? You know, Jeff and I met in D.C. where we started our prior venture, but, you know, grew up in Boston. I did live in New York for a little bit. I was in Brooklyn for about eight years. Yeah. (laughs) Well, man, we digress again and could continually. We'll have to pick this back up at some point. But tell us a little bit about your next artist in residence drop. I guess it's going to be in September if time stays still. What's the plan there? So the next artist in residence will actually be probably October or probably October is what my guess is. I'm not ready to disclose who it is. Uh, I will say that it's somebody who I think has a deep, profound impact on a lot of people. You know, like the goal of the artist in residence is always to highlight someone doing something unique, someone doing something powerful, someone who has a tremendous community, right, that we want to uplift, which is why, you know, Nyla was the first timepiece artist in residence. Um, Timberland, I think, you know, deserves credit for, you know, what he does within the music space and and has been amazing, was the second. And I think that this individual, when, when you see it, given what, you know, you know, the space is going through now, I think you'll say, wow, like that's a really interesting one. And you know who the person is. I'm just waiting and I got the verbal on it. So I feel comfortable to that end. And the person's a dear friend and I'm just waiting on it to finally nail down. But but I think it'll be October. So cool. look forward to. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of days before we air this on the podcast. So if you find out who the person is, we'll dub in the person over the person. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's awesome. Like what happens if you say crypto dick butts on the show? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we Holy cow. moly. Yeah. There we oh, go. Right? I got it in very quickly, right? So I just want to, see how, <laughs> I want to see how quick you guys could actually work on that. <laughs> Awesome. If you say crypto dick butts on the show, I think it goes into our new uh, TikTok real strategy. <laughs> Good. You might get a little bit mangled, but yeah, yeah, you take responsibility. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, we're about to wrap up this segment, the, the sort of mean interview portion of the podcast. This has been super fun and I, clearly we could go on forever, but you know, maybe you could share a little bit about what, what you are allowed to disclose about, you know, what's in the hopper for uh, other partnerships, collabs, what's coming next. I mean, like a lot of it is out in the open. You know, we do, 
weekly time halls, right? In our Discord and on Twitter spaces every Thursday at 10 a.m. And it's really important to the entire team that like we're pretty transparent, right? And so, you know, like there's really nothing, there's no surprise announcement or move, you know, like the things that we're really focused on right now is, you know, like we talked a lot about timepieces and we talked a little bit about the one-on-one sales and, and everything, but, you know, we have one initiative that we call blockchain to big screen, right? And, you know, we're currently, you know, in talks with, you know, the Robotos and with the Littles and with, you know, Toy Boogers and, you know, it's Smilesverse and they're all in different stages. But what I love is, is the Robotos and the Littles have actually been picked up for production by Nelvana out of Canada for television shows, right? And I watch what Pablo Stanley and Will have done, you know, at their respective places in terms of character development and story arc for their Bibles, you know, as, as they pitched out. And I will tell you that Maria Perez Brown, who's been running that, that team at a studios and I like could not be more impressed. And, and the team at Nelvana just loves it. Right. And they've been wonderful too. And, and I'm really excited about that. And the reason is, is because, you know, for the first time ever, like we're seeing some real creativity come out of this space. Right. And, you know, like when you look at Hollywood today, what is it? It's really like remakes of like everything that we all liked when we were younger. Right. Like, it's going to be like a sequel or a remake. Yeah. <laughs> and like, honestly, like I loved Top Gun, too. Right. I thought it was amazing if you saw it. It, I, it blew my my expectations away. But it's still a remake of a like of an original IP. And what I love about Web3 is like a coup. The Littles, the Robotos, like these are all communities, dead fellas, like these are all communities that are so unique and, you know, original. Like, how could you not like that? And I think that, you know, like as we continue down that strategy and that path, like I love the idea of like constantly tapping into the Web3 ethos and creativity to almost reverse engineer great IP out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean... This, uh, this could be count as my opinion, you know, but I feel like true creativity is taking that step off the cliff and doing something new that's not tested and tried and you could guarantee it. You know, it's why I became a jazz musician and not a classical player. And I, I love classical music, but a lot of it nowadays, when even it used to be, you know, in the time of Mozart, you improvised, you know, over chord changes, just like jazz musicians do today. And it's one thing to kind of interpret the successes of the past. And it's another thing to take those risks and jump out there and lay yourself bare to the audience, you know, so. And, and by the way, like, it's amazing, right? Because when you think about it, take the Littles, for instance, right? 10,000 pieces as an NFT with like close to 6,000 owners, but 60,000 people in their discord, right? And so you have essentially on day one of any show, a community that you know is ardent marketers and supporters and believers in what you're building, right? And they want to build along with you, right? And what was fun was when we started to do this character development and this creation with Nelvana, like I remember saying to Maria Perez Brown, I was like, how long does it take for you to, from this, from like the agreement that we're going to move forward to like us getting a TV show? And she's like, usually like a year and a half, two years. I was like, yeah, in web three time, like we have to double down on that, like and speed up. And wow, they like did it in, I think, five months, right? And then like to give you an idea of how great Nelvana was, you know, as partners, when they signed, like the original press release had no images in it. And I was like, no, no, no. Like this space needs some sort of like, they, this Web3 space is about community. It's like coming along with you, right? Like, and so they put in the characters that like that at the moment in time were in the Roboto show and in the little show. And, you know, people went wild over that. And like, I think that, like, I love the creativity coming out of this space. Let me put it like that. I just love the creativity coming out of the space. And, you know, I oftentimes tweet, like, follow more artists, right? But like, honestly, my Twitter feed is more enjoyable when, when I'm constantly bombarded with great artwork. That's awesome. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, 
Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Keith, we really appreciate it, man. We want to take this next segment and go a little bit deeper on some of your personal perspectives on things. These are light questions just to get to know you a little bit better. We're looking for short, single word or, or few word responses, but again, we may dive in a little bit more here or there. You ready to get after this? I'm totally going to disappoint you all with these answers, but let's go. (laughs) I highly doubt it. All right. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Vanilla yogurt covered pretzels. Okay. (laughs) Is that, is that still a go-to in the, uh, in the old, you know, sweets or snack category for you? No, it's not. It's like, it's one of my earliest memories. And I remember that. That was it. Yeah. It's very specific. Awesome. (laughs) Question number two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Oh, probably seashells, right? When I was younger. Keith sells seashells by the seashore. Right. Nice. It is. I like it. First time. I think that's the first appearance of uh, seashells in uh, it is. Kidder, So it I is. appreciate it. Always love the first. Question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh, if you know the photographer, Rachel Stewart, she just had an NFT drop for an amazing edition of 35 that she did. And that was the last thing I purchased was her, was her photography NFT. Solid. Shout out Rachel Stewart. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? Huh? I don't know. I have no clue. I, 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 have, I honestly have no clue what the last thing I sold was. No worries at all. Okay. We'll move on. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? You're going to hate this answer. Nothing. I couldn't care less about anything physical, you know, in my life that is purchasable. A true dematerialist. Love it. All right. So that'll cue up this next question, which is (laughs) if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service or an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What, What do you have your eye on? I would buy an island where I could just go and sleep. Okay. <laughs> I love it. We've had islands on the show before, but no, not for that specific purpose. Is it, is, so this is an island that's pretty close. It would be a sleeping to... island. It would be a sleeping <laughs> island. I would want like a separate sleeping island. That's, it's just cots and hammocks. Like I need a sleeping island. I need like literally to just be left alone, surrounded by water. Okay. I think it's got to be like one or two hours from New York to make this feasible for kids. <laughs> I feel like we can't try to rationalize a completely irrational question. And I was getting right. a completely irrational answer. For That's it, right. Right. We've had some guests who like don't want to sleep before. That's come up in, in I, I, questions. I, it's not that I don't want to sleep. It's I don't really sleep that well. Right. Yeah. And so like I'm always up. And so it would be nice to just have a place where I could go to sleep. I feel like the fantasy we're moving towards here, and maybe technology will get there, is there's an island, you go there, you sleep for like whatever, one third of your life, 
or whatever they say you're supposed to sleep for. And then you just get to live the rest of your life, like 24 hours a day going nonstop. There is, so I have, and I don't know if you have uh, an Oculus at all, but there's this great, great, great meditation app on the Oculus called Maloka. Have you heard of this before? No, no, oh my God. Oculus, but no. you have to, you have to check this out. So it's a meditation app. I didn't really think anything of it, but then all of a sudden I tried it. And what it does is it puts you on an island and it's this bare island, right? And the more breathing exercises you do and the more meditation exercises you do, it rewards you with like trees and like different ways of creating your island and building your own sort of oasis. And like, I think that what they've done is A, they've done a great job of building this out to trick your brain into meditation and breathing exercises immediately and very fast. But B, they've gamified it in a way that is like very true to the relaxation. So when you ask me, what would I buy? And I say an island, it's it's inspired actually by just the fact that I've been using that Maloka app nonstop. Cool. Nice. nice. That's cool. You got to try the virtual float tank at Upgrade Labs next time you're in LA. It's like a pod. You're and, like tourism LA. You know that, right? I, 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 I know. <laughs> I, Every chance you have, Josh, is like you, you hawk LA. I like LA a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's like, I, hey, man, like it's, I, I just kept going west, you know, west coast, best coast. That's all I can say. But no, they, they hopefully Ooh, Lakers. This, this will come. <laughs> Yeah, go, go, except for the Patriots. But this little pod, 20 minutes, it's like equivalent to four hours of sleeping. So I'm going to get you into this pod at some point in your life. Cannot wait. Okay. Question number seven, moving on. Uh, If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Humor. That's not funny. I know. Uh, <laughs> it would be humor would go to the next would go to the next generation. No, that's great. That's awesome. Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Humor. <laughs> oh man. There's a, there's a timing element of each of these, right? It is. Nice. All right. A little easier here. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I grabbed the seltzer out of the kitchen to make sure that I was fully hydrated. All right. Because the extent of my beverage consumption is either seltzer or coffee. <laughs> All right. So you're 50 50 on coffee or seltzer, but I grabbed a seltzer. You're making me crave those seltzers in my refrigerator. I know. They're so good. <laughs> I have no idea how they do this with the coconut essence, but they're good. Right. <laughs> they, they nail it. Right. Question number 10, last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I have a meeting. Okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. Exciting Enjoy stuff. It. So. Thanks for sharing. That's Edge Quick Hitters. Ethan, word on the street is we got a special hot topic for today. What do you say? Yes. And that special hot topic is uh, can emerge as, as soon as they like here. Today's hot topic centers around Z Hovac, the quantum pop artist and sneakerhead whose art is the spirit of their dog they met in meditation. Speaking of meditation, Keith. Her passion is art with a purpose to be a voice for animals. She combines physical art with NFTs and gives back to the animals via charity. Z, why don't you unmute yourself? Welcome to the Edge of NFT. Hi. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I've had the pleasure of listening to you all, so it was amazing. There's two constants in any NFT gathering that Z and I are at. One, she's rocking her Z Hovac hat and I'm rocking my Edge of NFT hat. I would say there's one constant to any major event in the world of Web3 and NFT, and that is Z, right? She's going to be there front and center. So welcome. (laughs) This is facts. I love being social. That's my gem. Ironically, 90% of my NFT community and my friends are all via IRL events, which is so unlike web three but these are uh facts so so tell us about meeting animal spirits in your meditation i've actually had some interesting it was actually nicole buffett i'll share who we mentioned earlier like talking to her about kind of like animals visiting us in real life and our dreams to like communicate messages and things like this and and i recollected a moment i met a bird on a mountain right Uh, on a mountaintop one time but yeah tell me tell me about this Yeah, actually, Nicole is like a soul sister and also sort of like my herbal guru. Anytime I have any kind of 
questions about any kind of, you know, organic arnica or any kind of like drops. That's why I text like, Nicole, what should I do? And she's sort of my healer. Yeah. I mean, growing up in LA, typical, you're, you know, you go through the yoga teacher route, right? It's just, that's me. So I did that whole route and became a yoga teacher, but I had the honor of having incredible gurus and incredible teachers in my life. I've had an insane life. I grew up in a refugee camp. So to sort of go through this experience and be healed through the spiritual journey sort of became like my lifesaver in a sense. And so fast forward, you know, corporate life, go, 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 really insane every day doing trade shows and traveling all the time. That's what saved me. And during that time, my dog, who was a German short air pointer, a hunting dog, a wild boy, got a frontal cortex tumor, took him to, you know, MRI and all kinds of, you know, you know like holistic doctors and regular doctors and decided that there's nothing. And so every day we sort of did this spiritual journey together. And I did a meditation session with him for him and also for me and kind of helped him along the journey of transition to the next frequency because our soul never dies. You just transition dimension. At least this is what I believe in my soul. And so along the way, I just kept seeing this character every single day. And as goofy as it looks, and you know, people see him in sort of so many different forms. Uh, that's what I saw, and that's what I wanted to do, and that's how I created my character. And this is what we see in your background here in the video. Yes. So for the listener, you know, check out the YouTube video to check out the the way the character looks. But could you just describe visually for for someone listening, you know, the kind of look of the character that that's in your background there, and maybe just in general, yeah. To me, it's just copper, C1P. To people, he's either a mushroom or maybe a penis. <laughs> and I just think it, I just think it's hilarious. I think it's also, it's, it was not my, you know, at all. Even when I drew it out, what I saw in meditation, I drew it out and I myself saw him in different forms, but I wanted to stay authentic. And I believe part of it is also the spirit world communicating with us to, you know, keep it light, keep it goofy, keep it funny. Because every time people see him on whether my art or my merchandise, there is a reaction, there is an excitement. And it all goes back to that moment of, okay, I made the right choice. You know, as long as I make people feel I'm doing my job as an artist. Cool. Yeah. And, and whatever it is in the background, it's wearing sunglasses that, uh, that are sort of also beautiful and golden there. <laughs> it's been great having an opportunity to get to know Z and her spirit and like why she's in the space. And, you know, I think it'd be great to share with our listeners, you know, what it's been like transitioning into Web3 as an artist and, and what you're looking to next. What are some of your aspirations for yourself and for the space? You know, my purpose is my art and creativity. I'm sort of the vessel to transfer creativity, whether it's in fashion or art or sculpture, I do it all. But my purpose is helping animals. I've always been advocates for animal charities. You know, when I was a kid, I, I've gone in trouble. I grew up overseas, so I used to bring home straight dogs and cats all the time, and that's what I would get in trouble for. But as long as they had that one meal, that one water, or I would beg my mom to just give, you know, my, our last meal to the pet. And so having that experience and transitioning into living really comfortable life in the Western world, that's my purpose. So I want to continue in Web3 educating, you know, bringing women into the space, you know, educating all the incredible successful tech people about what it is to have not nothing and have it have everything. So sort of bring like a spiritual balance into the space. Yeah, well, it's, it's an amazing vision. And so uh, when you think about the roadmap for your, uh, for your project, for your artwork, what's next? I'm a one of one artist. <laughs> That's my jam. So I had many opportunities to do generative, but I sort of really live within the moment of what I want to create daily. So I just kind of drop casually. I don't really announce. I just make a casual deal about it. But my ultimate happiness and 
success if I would have to be uh, answering like an ego driven way would be sort of like the female Jeff Koons and female cause and Takashi Mirakami because currently in the space the only person that has my sort of aesthetic the pop art the 3D sculpture character is the creator of Hello Kitty who's a female but no one knows she's a female but people that's the character that has become so big so that's my ultimate personal dream on a selfish sort of way is, you know, help educate, give back, but also kind of make an impact and show way also to women internationally, because in the States, you don't really realize what goes on outside. And I have lived that and fled on a religious asylum just to stay alive. So um, I don't want that to be my story. I don't really talk about that. But I just want my actions and my purpose to kind of path the way and give hope to people like me and my, my background. You are creating that path for sure. And I think are a, a beacon of inspiration to a lot of people, a lot of artists and spoken, uh, spoken so many words here, like a true artist, as you think about that roadmap and the flexibility in it and, and your focus on um, really sharing who you are with the world. And on that note, where should we direct our listeners and our followers to track your progress and everything that you have forthcoming? Z Hovac, the letter Z-H-O-V-A-K.com, zhovac.eth, and Zhovac across every single platform you can imagine. So easy. Great. And any, any parting words before we break from this segment? Don't give up. Tr- stay true to yourself. Don't give up. Don't compare yourself to anyone and be a good human. Love it. Z, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate Thank it. You. See Thank you soon. Great. See you. All right, y'all. Well, before we wrap the episode overall, Keith, we want to just say again, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I, I We could have gone Rogan style and spent three hours for sure, but we do, we do have to wrap. And before we do, though, we do want to also direct our listeners to where to follow you and uh, timepieces and man, these amazing projects you guys have forthcoming. So you can follow me on Twitter, Keith Grossman. I'm also on Instagram as Keith Grossman and on LinkedIn as Keith Grossman. It'd be weird if I was not LinkedIn Keith Grossman. Those are the three main platforms that I'm on. And Time Pieces, you know, really exists on Twitter. And uh, you should check it out there as well as in Discord. There it is, folks. Check it out. Amazing things happening over there. All right. Well, I think we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.